Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Well, hello there. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. Thanks for listening. Talk About Talk is where you can learn to communicate more effectively so you can advance your career and improve your relationships with everyone around you. If you go to talkabouttalk.com, you can see the full archive of all the communication skills that we've covered in the podcasts and the email blogs. We're releasing podcasts bi-weekly, every second week, and email blogs every week, so you can always go to the talkabouttalk.com website and catch up on everything you've missed. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Oksana Andriuk, a biohacker who shares her hacks for how to boost our immunity in this coronavirus outbreak. Yes, we conducted this interview remotely. We did it via Skype. Thank goodness for teleconferencing. As you'll hear from Oksana, a biohacker is anyone who's trying to optimize their mental and physical health performance. Biohacking is the art and science of modifying your internal and external environment to take better control of your own biology, including, for example, boosting your immunity to better fight off that coronavirus. In this episode, you'll learn a lot, I promise, including more about the definition of biohacking, as well as Oksana's personal biohacking goals in the short term and the longer term. You'll learn four categories of things we need to focus on to optimize our general health, including the one thing that Oksana identifies as the most important thing we can do. And you'll learn a few extra hacks to help us further boost our immunity. And yes, some of the advice you'll hear is focused on communication. That's what we do at Talk About Talk. So we'll cover how our social support affects our longevity and ways to increase our social interaction when we're physically isolated from others. By the way, that's why I'm a fan of the term physical distancing as opposed to social distancing. We need to proactively maintain our social interactions, even when we're physically distant. Okay, let me introduce Oksana now. Then we'll get right into the interview and I'll summarize the most important points at the very end. As always, you can find all the details, including references, Oksana's list of recommended supplements for boosting immunity, the interview transcript, and more, all in the show notes. Just go to talkabouttalk.com and click on podcasts. I met Oksana Andreyuk a few weeks ago at an Ensemble networking event. I'll leave a link to Ensemble in the show notes. Anyway, yes, this was a networking event. For those of you who haven't heard it yet, I hope you listen to the most recent Talk About Talk podcast episode on networking, where I interviewed executive recruiter Sharon Ma Jin. I took the networking advice that Sharon shared with us in that episode, and amongst other positive outcomes, I met Oksana. So thank you, Sharon. Your advice really does work. The theme of this networking conference was the future of food. For one of the sessions, there was a panel of four experts seated on stage. There was Oksana sitting next to this amazing young organic farmer. I think she freaked him out a bit with her focus on biotechnology, but I was impressed. So I went up to Oksana afterwards, I introduced myself, and I started firing questions at her. Turns out she has degrees in genetics and biotechnology, and she hopes to live to be at least 150 years old. I asked her, what are the five things I should do to live longer? Her answer surprised me. She said there are many, many things that we can do to live longer. She said she wasn't sure what's the top five, but she is confident that she knows what the one most important thing is. Can you guess what it is? It surprised me. Sleep. The next day, Oksana and I connected on LinkedIn, then on email. 
Then we started talking about how sleep can affect our ability to communicate effectively. She started citing all this incredible research, and I was enthralled. We decided to do a podcast interview for Talk About Talk in a few months. Well, then, as you know, the world changed. COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. Schools shut down and employers told their workers to work from home. Businesses are reducing hours or closing. Amongst other things, toilet paper is being hoarded. And social distancing is now a common term, a mandated term. So I reached out to Oksana and I said, hey, can we do this interview like now? And can we shift the focus to how to boost our immunity? It took less than 24 hours for us to schedule and record the interview. Oksana is so gracious and I am so grateful. Here we are. Oksana Andreak is a biotechnology scientist, a biohacking consultant, and a speaker. She's the founder of Canadian Biohacker and Toronto's first and largest biohacking meetup group with a mission of bringing biohacking and anti-aging science to the mainstream. Holding an honors BSc in genetics and biotechnology and a master in biotechnology from the University of Toronto, Oksana has a long-standing interest in the applications of biotechnology to optimize health and performance. She believes the future of healthcare lies in disease prevention, as well as delaying and even reversing the aging process, ultimately extending health span and lifespan. Oksana brings an extensive knowledge of the healthcare industry, having worked in private, nonprofit, and public health sectors across Canada and the U.S. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise today, Oksana. Oh, this is so great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation. Me too. So I have to start by asking you, what is a biohacker? Love that question. So what comes to mind often is people think, oh, you know, are you inserting chips into your body or it sounds scary or very technical? And it's not at all. A biohacker is anyone who is striving to optimize their mental and physical health performance. And so biohacking as a term can be defined as the art and science of modifying your internal and external environments to take better control of your own biology. And what I find exciting is that we now have the technology available to us and all the tools to quantify and monitor our biomarkers. But at the, at the root of it, biohacking is really getting the fundamentals right and optimizing how you feel every day. I know from your biography that you've made this your life work. You are highly educated in the field of biotechnology and you have the Canadian Biohacker Meetup Group. So why did you personally decide to become a biohacker? I've always been into biotech and how can we use our technology to optimize our biology and how we feel and I've always had a focus on healthcare. You know, when I was in university, I never thought that I would get into biohacking or optimizing health to this extent. What really sparked my interest in it is discovering the field of medicine related to longevity science, which looks at treating aging as a root cause of chronic diseases. And, you know, when I was in university, that wasn't really talked about. There was genetics, there was biotechnology, and that was my stream. And I was very interested in that. But when I discovered that, hey, there are all these scientists that are looking at treating aging as a disease, you don't really hear about that because people just kind of assume that, oh, you know, aging is a natural is a natural process and we're all going to go through it. But the truth is, is that in 2013, we actually characterized what the cellular processes were 
of aging. So at a cellular level, we now know what happens with the aging processes. And so there are all these companies that are working on aging solutions on reversing or slowing down the aging process. And I thought, you know, if it's going to take them about 10 years or so to get something truly viable on the market that I can start taking or using, whether it's a therapeutic or another solution, what can I do right now to optimize my own biology and the state of my health so that I'm at that prime health level when I get to that longevity solution? And so that opened my eyes to this whole field and area of biohacking. But as I mentioned, you know, at the root of it, it's just about optimizing your mental and physical health performance. And so it doesn't need to be something extreme or, or scary or something that takes takes up a lot of time. It's being mindful of your daily habits and how you're taking care of your health on a more preventive level. When you were defining what a biohacker is, I was thinking that a lot of athletes are probably biohackers, right? So they're doing everything they can to optimize their performance. Of course. I think, yeah, athletes are a great example of biohackers. And really anyone, you know, if you're if you're mindful about your nutrition and exercise and how you're sleeping, like you're already biohacking. <laughs> I think most of us are actually biohacking without realizing it. <laughs> so I have a question for you then. What is your main goal as a biohacker? I mean, I'm hoping to live to at least 150 years. There are some exciting developments in the fields of longevity signs that are actually looking to reprogram cells using epigenetics that will essentially reverse our age back to about 20 years at any point that we want. So potentially 150 years is very conservative of me to say. That's amazing. (laughs) Then I have not even come close to hitting midlife. That's amazing. (laughs) Right? Life is just going to go on. Who knows, you know, all the things that we might be able to fit into our lifespan. (laughs) Okay, so bring it on. Tell me what some of the main things are that I can do to optimize, I guess, maximize my lifespan and optimize my health. So number one, I, I always say sleep. It's the number number one thing that anyone can do. And we're living in a sleep-deprived generation and time. Over the past hundred years, we've actually reduced our average night sleep by about 15 to 20%. So imagine that 100 years ago, people were getting on average two hours more of sleep every night than they do now. That's huge. You know, it's, it seems like such a luxury to be thinking, oh, you know, someone could be averaging nine hours of sleep a night. That seems that seems crazy. <laughs> so, so what's happening inside our body that is so important when we're sleeping? Why, why would I choose to spend more of my time on this planet sleeping? So sleep affects every single bodily system, your cardiovascular health, your metabolism, your ability and stamina to exercise that day, which actually has a feedback loop because if you exercise, you sleep better. And if you sleep better, you have more energy to exercise. It affects our hunger levels as well if you're sleep deprived your body is going to want to store more energy and so you're more prone to overeating as well it affects your mental health your emotional control how you communicate so you know anything to do with the brain there is not one system in your body that doesn't benefit from more sleep or doesn't get negatively impacted by a lack of sleep essentially so sleep is number one for longevity i would say so you i didn't want to interrupt you there but you mentioned one of my magic words communicate you said sleep affects how you communicate can you share with us how sleep affects our interactions and social lives for sure yeah 
So with sleep, it affects your emotional control, right? So how you respond to those around you, you may be, you know, a little bit more cross, have a shorter fuse, but also being able to to read other people's emotions. So your emotional intelligence gets affected with your ability to scan the room or, you know, read the person you're speaking to and what they're feeling. It also affects how people interact with you as well. So there was a study done with people seeing faces of sleep deprived individuals and they were asked to rank them so sleep deprived to not sleep deprived and those who were sleep deprived in their picture our brains are actually able to register someone who is a little bit sleep deprived and what that tells us is we don't really want to communicate with those people we don't want to interact with them it tells our brain to kind of avoid them or you know maybe that person is sick or something's not not right with them and so it's it's very it's such a wild concept i found it fascinating because it's not something that happens at a conscious level it's it's very subconscious it's those micro signals that our brain is just picking up automatically you know you it's hard to just kind of pinpoint oh yeah that person got four hours of sleep a night for sure but our brain is able to do this so when you're sleep deprived it's not only that your communication with others is affected, but how other people perceive you and how much they want to interact with you as well. Amazing, amazing. So I want to get into that of both, I guess, the quantity, so the number of hours that we should be striving for, and as well as the quality of sleep. You and I spoke a little bit offline about that when we met, and you were talking about how important it is to ensure you have quality sleep. Before we get into that nitty gritty, I just want to mention the elephant in the room, and that is the coronavirus and and COVID-19. And as a biohacker, I'm sure you have some very strong and well-informed opinions about things that we should be doing and maybe even things that we should not be doing. Uh, for sure. Yeah. So with any type of virus or, you know, it's we're always going to go through these winter seasons where a lot of people are getting sick or picking things up. The best thing is keep your immune system up as much as you can. And so number one, again, <laughs> sleep. I always go back to that. I can't go into it. So with sleep, even one night of four hours of sleep reduces your immune system function by up to 70% for the next day. Wow. For someone, it's huge. And for someone who is gets about five hours of sleep per night for the previous week, they're about at a 50-50% risk of contracting the common cold if they're exposed to it. Versus someone who has been getting an average of eight hours of sleep, they have about an 18% risk if they're exposed to the virus. So that's that's huge, right? Like, do you want to be the person who, if you're exposed, your body has a 50-50 chance of contracting the virus? Or do you want it to be at around 18%? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, anytime that sounds compelling. But right now, it's imperative right exactly exactly and i know it's hard but hopefully now with a lot of people working remotely too with that reduces the amount of hours you're spending in commuting maybe you can buy a little bit of more sleep time fingers crossed Um, So sleep is absolutely imperative. And then nutrition, of course. So watching what type of foods you're eating. So less processed food, avoid sugar, focus on whole foods that are nutritious to your body. About something about 60 to up to 70% um, of our immune system comes from our gut health. And so supporting our gut with proper nutrition is just so important for immune function as well. Can you describe what a healthy gut is? 
I mean, you just you just said less sugar, less processed food. Yeah. So I mean, everyone's microbiome or gut health looks a little bit different. Their profile will be a little bit different, but avoiding sugar is is a big one for sure. Okay. So refined, and then also I guess any kind of simple carbohydrates, just keep them to a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Especially closer to sleep. So avoid eating about three hours before bedtime. That would be optimal. If you do, then at least avoid simple carbs and sugars. Focus more and more complex carbs. So an example of a simpler carb would be bread versus a sweet potato would be a more complex carb. So you said try not to eat within three hours of going to bed. So exactly. Yes. So you want to be focusing on recovery while you're sleeping. So our bodies are constantly in either a state of growth or repair. And so when we're putting nutrients in our bodies, it signals to our bodies that, okay, it's time for growth. You know, you're metabolizing, you're utilizing those nutrients. Um, Your body's not really focusing on repair so much. And so especially when you're sleeping, that is such a critical time of recovery for like full body regeneration when you're sleeping. And so try to avoid going to sleep on a full stomach because that can affect your sleep quality and also your ability of your body to repair while you're sleeping. Okay. So we've got sleep hygiene. We've got a quantity of hours of sleep. We've got nutrition in particular, reducing our glycemic index, not eating before we go to sleep and just reducing sugar. I would also say avoiding deficiencies in proteins and micronutrients. Uh, So this is where supplements can come in as well. And I'm always a little bit careful with supplements because people should be using supplements as supplements, or at least, you know, that's my stance on it. We shouldn't be replacing whole foods with supplements, but to boost the immune system, there are supplements that you can incorporate into your diet, namely vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, vitamin B12. Glutathione is a great supplement as well. So that is kind of like the the big antioxidant. And NAC, you can buy the supplement. It's actually a precursor to glutathione. And it's also great for uh, respiratory problems as well. So when we're dealing with a respiratory type of virus going around, NAC could be a great supplement to incorporate as well. So trying to keep the energy up and ensuring you have the micronutrients in your body as well to fight off any, any virus or infection. I think this is great advice especially for the age that we're living in right now with the coronavirus. So you know what I'm going to ask you when we go offline? I'm going to ask you to email me a list of what the specific supplements are that promote immunity, and then I'll include them in the show notes so people can just click on it and see what they are. That would be really helpful. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some right now, but I'll email you a list. That's great. Thank you. What about other things? Like what about exercise? What about socializing? Any exercise, other factors? For sure. Yeah. So there's, you know, the basics for me are how you're sleeping, how you're eating, how you're moving and how you're managing your stress. Okay. So we covered the first two, but exercise is absolutely so important for your immune system. It, it boosts your immune system function. For exercise, I would say HIIT training is the most effective. So high intensity interval training. Um, it combines a little bit of cardio, a little bit of strength training, um, and it just kind of gives the best bang for your buck in terms of the amount of time spent exercising and the effects that you get versus other forms of exercise. So if someone's looking for a quick workout routine to do at home, HIIT training is great. And there are so many 
free YouTube videos available too. I'm, I'm working remotely right now as well and, you know, doing the social distancing and isolation. And it's just such a great repository. You just look online, okay, YouTube video, let's go 30 minutes. You got your mat, do a quick workout and you can, you know, get back to work and it can be a great break throughout the day or whenever you have the time. That's amazing. I have to tell you this afternoon, I actually, we created a Zoom meeting with a bunch of girlfriends and one of them had um, her screen showing uh, an online workout and we all did the workout together. It was so fun. And we said, so it's not social distance. We are physically distant from each other, but we're still being physical and we're definitely being social. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, That's yeah, a it great really fun. Fun. It I'm really seeing fun. a lot of um, my, the yoga studio that I go to, they sent out a notice that they're going to be doing virtual classes now too. So Amazing. I think it's such a great idea. And it actually goes into stress management too. So I find yoga is so great for helping to wind down. I find that my sleep metrics are always a little bit better on the evenings that I I do some form of yoga in the evening. Uh, It helps to power down and lower stress. But also, you know, meditation or breathing exercises can help manage stress too, especially at a time like this where you want to be boosting your immune system and kind of getting your cortisol levels down as much as possible because there's just an onslaught of media and news and, and, you know, having everyone in the house. So it can be a very anxious time, especially right now. Well, that's a great point about the cortisol. You know, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who's in great shape. Talk about high interval training. She's intense woman anyway, and she's in fabulous <laughs> shape. And she said, you know, I have this craving to do yoga. So her mm-hmm. body was probably craving just to breathe deeply. Uh, exactly. And that's a great point, too, that you bring up because, you know, HIIT training is great from an exercise standpoint, but sometimes when you do vigorous exercise, it can kind of get your body a little bit, you know, more worked up. And if you're already on high alert, it can be a little bit much. So it's important to kind of have that balance, too. So that's a great point, adding yoga into your routine as well. Yeah. I think tomorrow I'm going to do yoga. <laughs> so before we move on to the five rapid fire questions i want to get a little bit personal if you don't mind i'm guessing that the listeners would be curious to know how old you are before we get into that can i add another immune booster please (laughs) bonus bonus so another great one is cold showers and intermittent fasting so so cold showers are probably an unpopular one, but it's so worth it. And I find that your body gets so used to it so quickly and it's a great immune booster. You know, even for me, if I take a long break from doing cold showers, I'm just like, I don't want to do this at all. Everything, every cell in my body just doesn't want to go through it. So with cold showers, a great hack is try to do the cold shower right after a workout. Your body's really worked up and, and kind of heated up, your blood flow is going. So it can be a little bit more tolerable to do the cold shower at that point. And also, you know, you don't have to go to the maximum cold temperature right away. You can build up your tolerance day by day. And so start with a cold shower, not super cold, but you know, cold where it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and start with your feet. So this is, this is a common misconception that you have to just like go into the shower and let the water hit you. No, when the, if the cold water hits your head first, your body kind of goes into this hyperventilation mode of like something's not right. You know, my head is cold. This is uncomfortable. And it kind of freaks out. But if you start with your feet and kind of body part by body part, work your way up and breathe through it. So take a breath in and then as you breathe out, 
move up the water. Ah. <laughs> that makes it a lot more tolerable. It just helps your body not freak out. So, so can... what is it about the cold water that helps our immune system, though? So one of the things that it does is, first of all, boosts the immune system, but also increases or activates fat adipose tissue stores. Um, and so it, it causes our bodies to kind of up its, home, its homeostasis. So it's it's thermogenesis, um, it's, it's balance and in, in managing fluctuations in your body. I'm probably butchering the explanation here, but essentially one of the one of the things with cold showers too is when you get out of the shower, allow your body to warm up on its own because it really activates your body's natural systems okay. uh, of recalibrating, if you will. And so that's that's one of the things. But other than that, um, yeah. So with intermittent fasting, what's happening there is you're activating autophagy. So cellular autophagy is the process where your cells are clearing out any cellular waste, any damaged cells, damaged proteins out of your body. And as I mentioned, your body is constantly in a state of growth or repair. And so if you finish eating three hours before bedtime, you're essentially starting your intermittent fast until the next morning. Um, and so you're not only boosting the recovery while you're sleeping, but when you're intermittent fasting, which essentially means you're limiting your food intake into about like a 10 hour window or so, or some people do less, but for women especially, um, I would stop at around 10 hours when you're eating and wouldn't decrease that window any less. Okay. Um, I've heard eight to 10, you're recommending 10. Yeah, for women, I would say just based on the research that I've seen for men, it actually seems that fasting for longer in a day uh, has more benefits, but okay. for women long-term, and not for all women, of course, it's, it's so personal, but that's essentially what aging is, is that accumulation of damage in your body right. that over time then becomes a pathology. Um, and it's much easier to prevent damage than to try to reverse damage that's already happened. That's true. You're reminding me of some research that I've read, and I think I saw a TED talk about this. And one of the main predictors of longevity is actually your social circle, right? And in some of the blue zones on this planet yeah. where people are living for a long time, they've identified that that they're social. Do you know, do you know about the research on that? Can you share with Yeah, yeah. So you, that's a great point. And um, I think for your listeners, if, that'd be really interesting to check out too, uh, looking at blue zones um, by David Bittner. He's done a lot of research into that. He has a few books out and a TED talk as well. So um, that's what they found is there are certain parts of the world where people, they have a higher density of people who live 200 years and over and so they looked into what are some of the things that they're doing how are they eating um you know what is their lifestyle like and found some commonalities and social you know social circles and social support was definitely a strong had a strong correlation with longevity um so i i love your point about you know getting on on Zoom or on webcam with your friends and, you know, you're social distancing, but that doesn't mean you have to cut off your communication with your social circle because social support is, is so important yeah. to longevity. Yeah. You know, I saw someone, uh, I kind of stole that idea last night. It was on Twitter and someone posted hashtag social distancing is not what we need. We need hashtag physical distancing. And yeah. I thought, that's <laughs> true. And then people were, oh no, you're being, it's just semantics. I'm like, no. I think the point is that we need to maintain, proactively maintain our social relationships, especially nowadays when we're cut off from people physically. Absolutely. Yeah. Mental health is so important. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the personal stuff then. 
All right. Let's You've deflected it. the age question now. We all noticed. Oh, I came up with two more things. I'm <laughs> kidding. So you're not going to tell us how old you are? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I'm 28 years old, um, and that is my chronological age. Uh, but my biological age, which I just got tested, um, it's called DNA age. If, if anyone is interested in uh, testing theirs, there are a few different test kits out, but that's the one that I did. My biological age showed us 24 years old. So that is amazing. To see that, I'm essentially, you know, four years younger biologically. I was, it was so scary opening up the results when I saw the report in my inbox. I kind of sat there like, do I want to click this button and reveal it or not? Because you really don't know how it's what is going to turn out to be. And so I was I was curious to see what it was. So I'm happy with the result. But now my next goal is can I get that down to 20? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, congratulations. But you know, I'm not surprised because you're implementing research based hacks, right? It's not like you're doing stuff that's flaky or whatever. You're actually reading the research. And you, um, you mentioned tracking sleep metrics. And when I met you in person, you were telling me about, um, you were said you were, I think you said you were doing the keto diet and every month you were doing your blood testing. So can you share a little bit with us about some of the things that you've done that you think have made a difference and what you're measuring? Yeah. So with the keto diet, I'm, I can't share all the results yet because I'm still doing this four month experiment. But yeah, so I started the keto diet um, almost four months ago. I committed to four months of it because it takes your body about 16 weeks to become fully fat adapted. So I committed to four months. I did all my biomarker testing. So my my blood labs, I did my hormone panel, I did this um, biological age as well before I started the keto diet. Ah. My goal with the keto diet is to improve my insulin sensitivity and improve my glucose metabolism as well. So we'll see what the results show. But yeah, to your point, every month I'm also doing a prolonged fast. And while I'm doing the prolonged fast, I'm measuring my both my ketones and my blood glucose levels uh, with a monitor. And mapping those curves. So it'll be interesting to see month to month how those curves change. So I have two questions related to that. Uh, one is, are you sharing the results of this publicly? Are, are you blogging about it on your website or? We'll see what the results show. But yes, that is my, that is the intent uh, is to share that out. It's information and it's, it's spreading awareness and different things that I'm trying that might be useful information for someone else. So I'm, I'm always happy to share on my social channels, I'm constantly sharing whatever I'm learning. I, I share out that information. Uh, so I'm hoping to do the same thing with this four-month experiment yet. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what your results are. I'm already following you on social media, but I'll, I'll put links <laughs> so that the listeners can as well. And my the other part of my question is, are you going to continue to do all of the testing after you're in the maintenance phase of keto? Because I've heard a lot of people say keto works when you're on it, but then you, when you shift to the maintenance phase and then you go off it, sometimes you rebound back to, you know, your, your pre-diet weight or you actually gain weight. So are you going to keep tracking? I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm hoping to switch to a cyclic diet between keto and carbs. Again, I feel like that one, you have to fiddle around with it and see what works for you. So I'm going to need to figure that out when I cross that bridge. Um, but I will keep testing my biomarkers. I mean, even before this diet, I was getting my full blood panels done every year. 
and just tracking those like ch changes in my biometric data. But what, the reason why I went on the ketogenic diet wasn't for weight loss. It was really to improve the insulin sensitivity just from a hormone health standpoint. So it'll be interesting, yeah, my, year to year to see how, how it fluctuates or if the improvements last. Yeah. And again, I'm happy to share that out, what I learned as well along the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to track, uh, to w watch your progress. And, um, I, you know, I was thinking when I was putting together some of the questions for this interview that I, I hope that we can do another podcast sometime when, you know, COVID-19 is, is ancient history and coronavirus is wiped off the face of the planet. And we can get into all the details about things like sleep hygiene. And I know you're a huge proponent of that. And I think, honestly, we could do an episode, which is what we were originally planning to do, right? Just on Absolutely. sleep hygiene and how it affects our social life. And what you know so much statistics and research on that. And you have so many great hacks. But we'll save that for another episode. Is there anything before we move on to the five rapid fire questions that you want to add and I specifically focused on, um, you know, this time of social distancing or physical distancing and the COVID-19 virus. Um, I mean, I would say take care of yourself. And I feel like mental health is so important, too. And, you know, go just until we're completely on lockdown. You know, I've been going out on my balcony and getting some sunshine on my face and getting that straight vitamin D from the sun. I think, you know, cutting off digital communication for a period of time during the day can be so helpful as well, because especially now that everyone's working remotely, that's how most of your communication is happening, right? Like if before someone was working in an office, you'd have more of those personal discussions in the hallway or someone comes by your desk. Now it's all digital and it can feel like a lot sometimes because you have your work emails and zoom calls and uh, messages slack whatsapp your personal digital channels too it can can be a little bit overwhelming and then you add in all the media and the news headlines that you get so carving out a little bit of time uh, during the week or even during the day where you just kind of disconnect and reconnect with yourself um can be so helpful and it'll improve your sleep too <laughs> yeah back to the sleep hygiene i i love it i think thank you for <laughs> sharing that it's a really really important point i i can tell you in our household we're really fighting hard to not fall into that kind of easy just playing on your phone and your laptop all day we're trying to come up with activities and taking turns you know making meals and playing games and having movie nights with with no yeah. phones. Um, it's tough though. It, it really takes a lot of discipline, but it's really important. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. I agree. Okay. Let's move on to the five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? All right. I'm going to take a sip of water before we get in there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not literally going to fire something at you. Okay. First question. What are your pet peeves? This one's a tough one because I feel like I try not to get too riled up by things that are out of my control. Like if someone cuts you off in traffic, it's like, all right, well, that's their life. <laughs> um, I, I'd say a pet peeve is people not giving up their seat to pregnant women on the on public transit. You know, not necessarily, not necessarily health related since that's kind of our topic, but I see that all the time and I'm just kind of like, you know, just common courtesy, be polite, even if they say no, at least, you know, offer it's a nice gesture. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I'd say that's a pet peeve because it kind of does rile me up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, question number two. What type of learner are you? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or some other kind of learner? 
I, I would say I'm a visual learner. Like I'm always a person I need to take notes. Um, definitely not auditory. Even with podcasts, if I listen to a podcast and it has a lot of information, I will go home and re-listen to it and take notes on it and press pause, write it down. Because even if I never look at those notes again, just the fact that I wrote it down helps me memorize or keep it in my head. Um, so in terms of learning, I would say visual. But then in terms of communication, I was thinking, you know, like what, how would a visual learner communicate? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I would say, well, I that's, know, like you're the expert in this. Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was just gonna, you just reminded me when I first met you, it was when I saw you on stage, you were speaking in a panel. It was at a conference that was focused on food. And it was hilarious because you were sitting beside a gentleman who was a farmer. He was an organic farmer and you were talking about, I can't remember what you were talking about, but you were freaking him out. And the two of you had, had this- technology talk. Yeah. yeah, the two of you had this great rapport and I, I instantly wanted to actually go and talk to both of you and thankfully we did. So you're great on stage. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, question number three, introvert or extrovert? I would say social introvert. And maybe, and I don't know, you know, I, I've thought about this one quite a bit too, because again, I, with my biohacking meetup group, um, I ended up starting the group and then suddenly I did 15 events in 15 months. And this was, you know, just in my free time that I was doing this as just a passion project, if you will. And I had people reaching out saying, there's no way you're an introvert, like friends of mine saying, there's no way that someone who's an introvert just voluntarily will go up and speak in front of an audience and give these talks and, you know, get all these social gatherings together. But I feel like if I'm speaking on something I'm passionate about, it's a little bit different um, where, yes, I'm, I'm giving a lot of my energy and I always feel like I need to recharge after events like that. Um, I just kind of need to go home and not talk to anybody and give myself that time. But when I'm there, I'm having so much fun. I tr like I, I enjoy it so much and connecting with people at events. And even when I go to just social gatherings that have nothing to do with biohacking or longevity, um, I feel that when I'm there, I want to put my best energy forward. And so I, I want to enjoy my time there. I want to make those meaningful connections. And so it, it almost like gets my energy up to be at those gatherings, but then I do need to go home and kind of recharge and I can easily spend a full day just home alone, mm -hmm. doing research on different things and nerding out and I love that, <laughs> you know? So I'm not sure, I'd say social introvert, I guess. I, I think that's exactly what you are from, I mean, I've done a lot of research and reading on the social, on the introvert and extrovert scale and you are definitely describing someone who is an introvert, but your passion trumps your introversion, right? So like yeah. you said, you feel energy when you're on stage, but then you need to go recharge. Absolutely. And, and you're also you're, your friends are, are a little bit wrong in, in, I guess, their definition of introversion because that doesn't mean social anxiety, right? It just means where you get your energy and you're clearly not socially anxious. So that's something else entirely. Shyness and- oh, good point, yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was looking forward to your opinion on that because you're the communication expert. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, we'll tell me what's Well, the other, thing, the other thing is I ask it as a binary question. Are you introvert or are you an extrovert? And I ask it that way to be provocative. The truth is that most of us are in the middle, right? But I think based on what you've told me, you are an introvert who also has this passion project where you get your energy also is from yeah. sharing information about your passion. So that's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Question number four, communication preference for personal conversations. Yeah, so you know what? I would love to say pick up the phone every time because nothing trumps that kind of personal back and forth communication that's live and in real time. But reality is everyone's in different schedules and everyone's so busy. And so I definitely do schedule time to connect with close friends and say, all right, can we have a phone call this week? We need to catch up, you know, and, and we'll do that. But if it's just day to day, then I find I'm usually using WhatsApp. Um, and again, because I have friends in different countries on different time zones. And so it's just, it's just faster to kind of send a message there. And I would say Instagram too, but it, it's it's a lot of times, you know, if someone's reaching out to ask a question, I'll, I'll just respond to them there. So I'd say, yeah, like day to day, it's WhatsApp and, and Instagram, um, and then the other digital channels as well. Um, voice notes are helpful too, because then, you know, you can get your thoughts out and it, they hear your voice and it's a little bit more personal than just yeah. a text message and now most communication channels offer that functionality right. so I'm, I'm finding that I'm sending voice notes too but it takes some getting used to not, not everyone is into voice notes <laughs> well in the day we used to call it just leaving a voice message right on your <laughs> On your answering machine. <laughs> True. <laughs> Here I am highlighting the years between us, Oksana. Okay, um, last question. Is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most these days? Um, I would say the one that I would recommend the most is Dr. Peter Atiyah's The Drive podcast. Okay. I love that podcast because essentially it's like learning from a clinician and it's just so much great information and he explains it in such, such easy to understand terms I feel like anyone can really listen to it without a strong scientific background some episodes do get a little bit more technical a little bit deeper but um, overall I think it's absolutely fantastic because he's a he's a physician that does focus on longevity as well and um, sort of health optimization overall and more on the preventative health side so I would recommend that one and the emails that he sends out are great too. So that's <laughs> the newsletter right there. <laughs> okay, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. There'll be lots of things that people can uh, reference in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners? Uh, I would say come out to the next biohacking event. Um, once this coronavirus situation subsides, um, I would say look out for the next event. And in the meantime, I'm always sharing tidbits of information, anything I'm learning about optimizing physical and mental health on my social channels. So definitely check it out. And I look forward to connecting with everyone. If you have a question for me, feel free to reach out. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Oksana, for sharing your expertise. It really was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You had such fantastic questions. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, I love this conversation. Oh, good. I can't wait to get this out. Thanks again to Oksana Andreyuk for generously sharing her expertise and advice with us. Did you notice how she deflected the age question there? Let me tell you this. Oksana is stunning and very youthful. Personally, though, I was curious to know how old she was. And I thought you might be curious too, especially given her focus on biohacking and longevity. I was impressed, but not at all surprised to learn that her biological age is four years younger than her chronological age. Impressive. Speaking of age, did you notice how Oksana described voice notes? Is it just me or did that sound an awful lot like voicemail? First we had answering machines, then voicemail, and now voice notes. Whatever you want to call it, we all need to hear each other's voices, right? Okay, 
As promised, I'm now going to summarize the main points we covered in this episode. And as I mentioned, you can access a printable summary of all this in the show notes on the talkabouttalk.com website under the podcast tab. So you can listen now and then go access the notes later. To make this easier for you to follow along, I divided the learnings into Oxana's four main categories of hacks, and then I added two bonus hacks to help with our immunity. Do you remember what Oxana said are the four main areas where we should focus? There's how we're sleeping, how we're eating, how we're moving, and how we're managing stress. By the way, for those of you who've been listening to the Talk About Talk podcast, you may remember the three E's of wellness. That was episode number 27 with master wellness coach Tosca Reno. Tosca's three E's of wellness are eating clean, exercise, and emotional well-being. Sounds similar, right? Well, Oksana pulls out sleep as the first and her primary focus, so let's start there. I asked Oksana to list the benefits of sleep, and it became apparent that there are many. Sleep helps our cardiovascular system. It helps with our metabolism and our digestion. Sleep also makes us nicer people, less irritable, and it improves our emotional control. Having a good night's sleep makes us more likely to exercise, and having a good night's sleep makes us less likely to overeat. So as you can see, all of these things, sleep, nutrition, exercise, mental health, they're all interconnected. When it comes to boosting our immunity and preventing us from catching the coronavirus, according to Oksana, sleep is number one. She highlighted research that shows how just one poor night's sleep, like say a four-hour sleep, can affect our immune system by up to 70%. And someone who sleeps only five hours a night for a week, they have a 50-50 chance of catching a common cold if they're exposed to it. Whereas if we get an average of eight hours of sleep for that week, the chance of catching that same virus is down to about 18%. Those statistics are pretty compelling, aren't they? One last thing about sleep. If you've shifted from commuting to and from work every day to now working at home, Oksana suggests using that extra time to sleep. That is sound advice. Okay, the second area of focus is how we're eating, nutrition. When it comes to nutrition, we need to consume less processed food and avoid sugar. 60 to 70% of our immunity stems from our gut health, which is slightly different for each person, but eating more whole foods and lower glycemic index foods is a good thing. Oksana also advises us not to eat within three hours of bedtime so our bodies can focus on recovery and repair while we sleep. And under the umbrella of nutrition, Oksana highlights that supplements should be used as just that, supplements. We should get most of our nutritional needs from our food, but we can use supplements to boost deficiencies and perhaps to boost our immunity during a global pandemic, right? If you go to the show notes at talkabouttalk.com under the podcast tab, you'll see the full list of supplements that Oxana provides. The next area of focus is exercise, movement. Oxana suggests we try HIIT training or high-intensity interval training. It may be the most effective and it's definitely more efficient. And while we're socially distancing, we can still do online workout videos, right? And related to this point of exercise, and also the next point of managing stress, Oksana encourages us to try some yoga. Managing stress is the fourth area of focus. We can wind down in the evening, lowering our stress and cortisol levels with yoga. 
Meditation and breathing exercises are also proven to help us in managing stress. Of course, we all know by this time that we can also manage our stress by being very conscious of our hours in front of screens and the type of news we're consuming. And at the same time, we need to be proactively creative about how to maintain social contact. We talked about blue zones, those five areas on the planet that index high on centurions, meaning a large proportion of the population lives to be at least 100. Well, according to research on these blue zones, strong social support is a significant correlate of longevity. In other words, hang out with your friends if you want to live longer, even if it has to be online. Got it? All right. So the four things to focus on are how we're sleeping, how we're eating, how we're moving, and how we're managing stress. There are two other hacks that Oksana shared specific to boosting our immunity. Do you remember what they are? Cold showers and intermittent fasting. Apparently, having a cold shower is a great immune booster. Had you heard that? I had absolutely no idea. Oksana said that cold showers activate our adipose tissue. I was curious about this, so being the nerd I am, I looked it up. I discovered that brown fat, or BAT, that's brown adipose tissue, is activated when we take a cold shower. And related to this brown fat, there's research showing that having a cold shower can actually help us lose weight. I am definitely trying this. But cold showers sound so unpleasant, right? According to Oksana, we don't have to jump right in. She suggests having a cold shower after a workout and building up our tolerance day by day. Start with our feet and work up our body. Then, after the shower, Oksana advises us to warm up our body naturally and to recalibrate naturally. The last hack is intermittent fasting. I've been hearing a lot about intermittent fasting lately. Have you? I had no idea, though, that it helps with immunity. Intermittent fasting activates cellular autophagy, which is your body's way of clearing out damaged cells. That sounds good to me. So I worked this out for us. Oksana said that based on research, men can limit their food consumption to 8 to 10 hours in a 24-hour period, and women to 10 hours. So for 10 hours, that's a 14-hour fast. She also suggested that we stop eating three hours before bedtime. Remember? So here's an example. We could have our last meal at 8 p.m., then go to bed at 11 p.m. If we sleep for eight hours and get up at 7 a.m., we've done 11 hours. We just need to wait three more hours until 10 a.m. to have breakfast. Do you think you can do that? Well, now that I know this intermittent fasting thing is helping me clear out my damaged cells, I am definitely going to give it a try. All right, that is it. There's how we're sleeping, how we're eating, how we're moving, how we're managing stress, taking cold showers, and intermittent fasting. Got it? I really hope that you stay physically healthy in this socially, or should we say physically, isolating time. I encourage you to boost your immunity by incorporating these hacks into your new routine. And specifically, I encourage you to look for creative ways to be social and to communicate with colleagues, friends, and family. So pick up the phone and call someone, or better yet, try a video conference. Okay, if you enjoyed this episode and you learned something, I do have two asks. First, please tell your friends. You can send them an email or post this episode on social media. I would really appreciate it. And secondly, if you're not signed up already, please sign up for the Talk About Talk email blog, where you'll get free weekly communication skills coaching from me delivered directly to your email inbox. 
just go to the talkabouttalk.com website or email me directly and I'll add you to the list. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. Stay healthy and talk soon.